Sometimes TV shows end up overplayed After seasons and seasons of non-stop decay But sometimes the series disappears in a flash We'll never find out if it was genius or trash Which ones are awful, which pack a punch Why did these shows all have a failure tonight? A failure tonight Welcome to another episode of Failure to Launch. I am one of your hosts, Mitchell Thompson. And I'm his live-in co-host, Molly Sanchez. And that's it. Let's see. We're doing another <laughs> twofer. A duo episode. Yeah. No guest. No guest. No need. No need. No pants. Need no pants. I'm not wearing pants. No one is wearing pants today. <laughs> You're wearing a dress that counts as like lady I pants. Know. Oh, <laughs> surprise the future guests. That's how we sit on our couch. Uh oh, <laughs> we have a tarp down. It's no big deal. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, it's fine. Uh, how are you today? I'm good. It's really hot. Yeah, it is warm today. And we have to turn the fan off to soundproof for, for you, the <laughs> listener, to raise the quality of this show. This is going to be a sharp podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're not wearing any underwear. Uh, today we're covering the 1991 Adam West vehicle, Look Well. This was just a pilot. That's nice. it. That's all we got out of this show. Just a pilot. Luckily, it's on YouTube. It's got Colt yeah. Cladis. Colt. <laughs> Colt. The name's Cladis. <laughs> Cult Gladys, and you will treat me with respect. <laughs> Cult classic status. Jeez, Louise, that cocktail is strong. Cult Gladys. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it went from being a very popular eBay purchase on VHS to oh. uh, getting a digital file that we nice. will include a link to. Uh, it was made originally for NBC. As IMDb labels it. The former star of a canceled cop TV show solves real life crimes. Yeah, so it's a little bit like, um, like if our podcast did good, like, like Superman does good, not does well. Like if we went out and fought evil. Oh, sure, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is like that, I suppose. <laughs> I was gonna compare it to like I I wrote this down. Uh, my description of the show is the charming prequel to Steven Seagal's Lawman. <laughs> For those of you who have never watched an episode of Lawman, fucking do it immediately. That show is a national treasure. There's nothing funnier than Steven Seagal. It's a reality TV show, by the way. Mm -hmm. This is not scripted. It's not, I mean, it's scripted as much as all reality TV <laughs> is. What? But he's trying to actually be like a small town police officer mm -hmm. in this show but also be badass Steven Seagal. And so it's so funny how they kind of try to present him as if he has superpowers yeah. <laughs> and the ability to actually fight crime within yeah. <laughs> the system of law. It's very dumb. It's so silly. Like he finds a casing, a bullet shell casing underneath a car. You just have to watch. I can't even describe. We'll include a trailer. And it's also this. basically the same premise as uh, the grinder. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Much. This show. Just years, years ahead. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, damn. And without any of the cute savages. Another show we've covered that reminds me of this is another failed pilot, uh, Heat, Vision, and Jack, where it's like it's an unlikely person solving crimes through unlikely situations. People from NASA don't normally solve crimes, yeah. let alone people. That's how does he get a talking motorcycle? Because I definitely wouldn't compare it to that. I would. I think it's the the closest thing it is to anything that we've covered is either the Grinder or Police Squad. 
Yeah. And they even referenced George Kennedy in this show a bunch, who yeah. later went on to be in the Police Squad movies. I'll get on to uh, a question that uh, we can all answer, and then we'll do an episode-specific question. So the question for everyone is, what is your least favorite TV show? Least favorite TV show? Yeah. Why don't you, you got, you got one in your head, I, I assume, right? No. Nope. Like, what's something that would annoy, I guess, uh, Haters Back Off would be my answer. Ah, yes, the show you've never seen, but complain about at length. I get really mad that that screen cap comes up on my <laughs> Netflix because her face just annoys me. It's, I've never judged something more by its cover more in my life than, uh, Haters Back Off. It's, uh, Amanda Sings, is that the name of her YouTube mm. Miranda. Which, Miranda. See, this is how big a douche I am towards this show. I've seen a couple of her videos on YouTube and I it's not my it's not my cup of tea, but I totally understand how it's someone's cup of tea. I get the humor it's going for. And I get how that's it's a new sense of humor. Mm hmm. But miserly old grandpa over here says, don't be petty. Put on the coats. I'd rather watch some petticoat junk shit <laughs> than watch haters back off. Yeah. And it's you assume like. what would be hilarious is if you started watching and you're like, oh, no, I love this. Is this is amazing. It probably <laughs> will be. And knowing you, somebody who watches horrible TV all the time just for the heck of it, I bet you would love it. The other show I make fun of without ever watching it is that other show that's based on um, uh, the author of um, Handmaid's Tale. Why can't I think of her name right now? Oh, Alias Grace? Well, what's her name, though? Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood's other show, Alias Grace. And they, my only complaint about it was I was taking a nap while you were watching it. And they just said the word grace like 90 times in 10 seconds. And so I've been making fun of that show without ever seeing it, too. <laughs> was this your question? Judge a show you've never seen? No, the question was, what's a show you hate? And you just took it that direction. That's fine. Um, a show I hate that ever I a franchise I hate, really, that everyone assumes that I love is uh, I hate. Uh, Real Housewives content, <laughs> and I love. That's so surprising. I You're love right. reality TV. I don't get me wrong. I I live for the Kardashians, but I hate Real Housewives. I just I really don't like watching grown women communicate badly and fight about things that don't matter. I but know you love the Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore is so fun and so not that. The the fighting that happens on Jersey Shore is just different i mean they're all like middle like middle to lower class people like fighting and they're our age mm. jersey shore people are our age and the premise is it's a vacation and they're having fun when this is just like rich white women arguing i guess unless you watch atlanta but even then it's rich black women arguing about stuff that doesn't matter so mm. i just i really don't like it and i think it actually is kind of a harmful thing I think yeah. that it reinforces this stereotype that women must all hate their friends. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I will say, though, barring the one episode of Real Housewives of Orange County where the psychic came to dinner, that <laughs> is TV gold. And I can't argue with that. That sounds uh, like it's pure gold. And I do like Lisa Vanderpump a little because she's the only one I think that gets that it's a dumb show. <laughs> Sounds like you and me are in for a Real Housewives and uh, Haters Back Off marathon uh, to put ourselves around. No, because I've watched Real Housewives. You haven't. You're just judging blindly. I think it's hard in today's age of television to find a show you hate because there's literally so much content That's being true. created. And 
it's so easy to choose what you're watching with streaming. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things made by people mm-hmm. you like that I don't have time to watch stuff I like, let alone accidentally stumble across something I hate. I mean, minus that time you watched all three seasons of Scream Queens, but... I did not. It's only two seasons, first <laughs> off. I only watched the entire first season. Anyway, uh, so then the uh, episode-specific question I have is, what's your favorite piece of art that makes fun of actors? Oh, that's really good. Larry Sanders show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that would even tie in with some of the people related to this. Oh, cool. I'm pretty sure... Um, I wrote it down. One of the actors in the show was a producer on that. That's awesome. I would really like to watch that Gary Shandling documentary. Yeah, I want to watch that too. I love I love Gary Shandling. Rest in peace. Same to Adam West. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, the guy who plays Ben, the show off in the show, mm-hmm. wound up being a TV producer and he produced a lot of 30 Rock and oh, Gary awesome. Shandling's show, The Larry Sanders Show, not The Gary Shandling Show. Right. That's <laughs> but a good that, answer. That one's probably my favorite one. It, it does such a good job of... Uh, a lot like extras where it has people come on and they play themselves. They play like a characterized, caricaturized version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it really pays off because everybody coming on that show already has the sense of humor, understands what the show is uh-huh. and agrees to the premise to play like an asshole version yeah. of themselves. Well, I guess in a similar vein, my favorite version of this and one of my favorite TV shows ever is Extras. Nice. I think Extras does the same thing. It ha- It has these... Uh, super exaggerated versions of actors and acting and oh god it's so stinking good i love extras and on netflix late. now it's too late i've seen everything <laughs> <laughs> there's even an episode with uh shoot there's this big footballer who is in the episode and then it's this other action star that plays himself and the action star keeps talking a big game like he could actually beat up this footballer because he has been in so many action films, and when push comes to shove, he ends up crying. So it's this very uh, mirror version of, of Look Well. And when you say footballer, since it is a British show, you're using the term for like what we Americans would call a soccer player? I'm not. Yeah. I'm genuine, because yes. it could mean someone no, who's in the NFL. A soccer player. It reminds me of uh, the only snooker player I'm aware of. <laughs> is, uh, he came on the show, uh, the increasingly bad decisions of or poor decisions of Todd Margaret uh-huh. as himself. And he beats the shit out of uh, Todd Margaret for constantly saying snicker instead of snooker <laughs> and like being a dick about the sport snooker. And the only reason I know who this guy is, is he, he holds the record for like most perfect snookers wow. televised. And every time that happens, they pay you out a bonus and they finally like had to cut him off. Yeah, wow. <laughs> He's just that good. And so he used to come up on Reddit all the time. Guy. And be on YouTube all the time. And then I saw him on the show and I'm like, oh, how funny. This is a weird, obscure thing (laughs) that this show picked up on that a nerd like me would know. That's very funny. How weird. I have an episode specific question that I thought would be fun since this is parodying (laughs) 70s um, crime fighting shows, detective shows. I want you to pitch your own 70s detective show. Pitch one? Yeah. I want you to come up with a title because I just did. Okay. And what the show would be about. But it. The thing about these, like back in the day, they all had their own gimmick. You know, Kojak had his lollipop. I've got it. Uh, uh, Beretta used a Beretta. Yeah. yeah. And and the fat man. Great. Go on. Great. Okay. So it's going to be me and my friend, comedian Dom Jellin, a very funny lady and a good writer. And we are buddy cops. And our show is Black and Tan. And it's nice. a black woman and a Latina woman who go out and solve crimes uh, in the uh, San Diego area. 
Does every episode end with you eating either the ice cream or having the alcoholic beverage of Black no, and Tan? No, two on the nose. See, but that's what they would do in the 70s. No. You have to no. end it. That, okay. We eat fish tacos and we spread awareness about racial and gender diversity. Mine would be called Brazen and it would star a detective lady okay. named Betty Brazen. Okay. Who gets fucking brazen in the face of all the men in the the branch uh-huh. of police that she's in. And they all judge her by her name. She's like, she's she's just she just keeps acting so brazen. And then they look into the camera. Molly already did it without <laughs> me even saying it. Looked into a fictitious camera or real one. Are we living in a Truman show world that I am the only one who's not aware? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like I wordplay. Pitch, I want to pitch one that's Veronica Sluts. <laughs> Detective Sluts, please. That Sluts over there. Please, that's my last name. You'll treat it with respect. But Betty Betty Brazen sounds like a real 70s detective name. Yeah, good job. Uh, but how great would that be if just every person in the 70s, their last name related to something that happened to I them in their I assume that's how it went. Yeah, that's how it always went. Every Smith worked as a blacksmith. And Dick Van Dyke is a lesbian who drives a minivan. Wow. <laughs> Hello. We're awake. Let's get to I the I like it. And is mean to people. If you go full name, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> why are you being so mean? And why are you kissing that lady? Stop running over my son in your car, your giant car. I can't help it. My name is Dick Van Dyke and you will treat me with respect. <laughs> having same-sex relations. Dick Van Dyke. Uh, um, it would be like if uh, the composer for um, was he composer or lyricist for Beach Boys um, Pet Sounds but he drives a van he has, he kisses women but he also hangs out like in grassy areas in a city Van Dyke Parks Wow! I'll cut all of this out don't worry <laughs> that was a joke for me and maybe RJ <laughs> hey RJ alright <laughs> Um, so, um, closed captioning is provided by Martini and Rossi sweet vermouth. Good for the gut and good for the tooth. Have some Martini and Rossi's <laughs> sweet vermouth. And as always, shout out to Bush Market. Now we actually did buy the vermouth from Bush Market. It's on a high shelf. And, uh, the lady there was having trouble finding it when I said, please, the Martini and Rossi, the red one, the one in front of your face, that one there. Here, there, that one. And she goes, oh, the Vermouth. The Vermouth. <laughs> the Vermouth. So please enjoy this cocktail that is Vermouth based. If it's the same lady who I have troubles with back there, she doesn't know the difference between gin, whiskey, vodka. Like, I even know. by color, I was like, it's the one that's a clear liquid. <laughs> I'm going for vodka tonight. It is a clear liquid. I definitely don't think there's a language barrier there. I think no. she's just uh, doesn't know what liquor is. She doesn't drink. Like, and it's it's a hard job when you work in a it's liquor store. <laughs> and you don't drink at all. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, more power to her. It, we love you, Bush Market. We love you. By the way, I believe since my diss on Bush Market one episode ago saying that they have the shitty LaCroix always, they have up their game. They now have the mango LaCroix, which is nice. really good. And Poplamoose, which is uh, one I would say in my top five LaCroix flavors. New number one is passion fruit, just in case you're keeping tabs. Maybe Prez actually listens and stocks the... Prez, you're doing a great job. Make sure you have more than lemon and more than lime, because <laughs> lemon and lime are trash. Uh, 
and uh, get some passion fruit in there and I'll buy a case. I've been seeing a lot of great LaCroix jokes lately, like uh, the one you pointed out to me. The Bud Light is like... Is beer beer flavored flavored LaCroix. LaCroix. (laughs) Anyway, this cocktail, what we have here is you take an ounce... In a, in a shaker with a little ice in it, you put an ounce of sweet vermouth, an ounce of Campari, and an ounce of mezcal, and an ounce of Ooh. orange juice. Shake that up, pour it over an ice cube, and you've got a West Grony <laughs> or the Thinking Actor. And that's this week's Oh, cocktail. the Thinking Actor. I like that a lot. This is leftover mezcal from our Bunheads episode. And fam, let me say, I might be a regular mezcal purchaser because it is delicious. Yeah, it is so good. I, I've yet to really experiment with it beyond these two drinks, but both are a home run. If you want your drink to be smoky and fruity, you can just add mezcal to any kind of good juice mm-hmm. and it works. It's it shouldn't tasty. work, but it absolutely works. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And we have a bunch of tequila, too, because I accidentally bought tequila instead of mezcal last week. Uh, nice. So if you want to come over for some tequila, let us know. <laughs> Hit up 301 Studios yeah. and we will get drunk and talk TV. Yeah. Um, drinking rules. What did you have written down? Uh, I wrote, uh, drink every time you're charmed by Adam West. That's going to be uh, co- And you're going to die. <laughs> My favorite part about this show is there isn't a second that Adam West is not on screen. <laughs> He's in every single scene. It is just a one-man show with other people coming along. Yeah. Adam West. <laughs> and a little bit softer now. Adam West. <laughs> Adam Wee is still one of my favorite He's dumb family guy great. jokes. great. I love him so much. Is that all you had? Yep. All right. I wrote down, drink whenever they confuse him with another TV detective. Mm-hmm. And then quickly name an as-of-yet unnamed TV detective. And if you fail to do so before they do it again, take another drink. We call that the Coppelganger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so go ahead. It's on YouTube. Look well. If you type that in on YouTube, it's the first video to come up. But we'll also include a link in our episode description. So take these rules, take this delicious cocktail, and uh, don't cop out in the middle <laughs> of this episode. We'll be right <laughs> back. And we're back. That was really funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. The reason I compared it earlier to um, Heat Vision and Jack is they're both parodies of like 70s crime fighting totally. shows. So that's apt. That's totally apt. Yeah. And this is made by Robert Schmeigel and Conan O'Brien. So yep. two super funny people. This was right when uh, Conan left SNL. He made this. Lauren Michaels is a producer on this, mm-hmm. uh, which we didn't find out till the very end of the credits. <laughs> um, I had no idea he was involved. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense because Robert Smigel wrote for SNL even longer than when Conan left. Conan left to go write for The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So this is right before, this is like the s- sweet spot between him leaving SNL and him going to mm-hmm. Simpsons. And then, of course, we all know Robert Smigel is like the main brain behind Conan's brain on the Conan <laughs> O'Brien show. He's mm-hmm. Triumph the Insult comic dog. He helped, he's like the head writer with Conan mm-hmm. on uh, The Late Show with Conan O'Brien. Yep, so very funny people behind this show. Uh, and it's a really funny show. So it opens up uh, in an audition room. For oh, no, no. It opens up with the opening credit sequence right off the bat. There's oh, no cold well, open. I, I just don't want to skip over that. I loved it because it's like a parody of the Mod Squad theme song. Totally. And uh, it's it has him going through his closet where it's just <laughs> clear blocks of uh, color schemes of the same outfit, which is blazer and turtleneck which was such a, you know, outfit of the 70s, especially if you were a detective. Mm-hmm. 
I, I always wonder if real detectives dress like that <laughs> or just TV detectives. I think a mark of a good detective is like you you actually don't know what they dress like. <laughs> good <laughs> point. kind of blend in. Those are undercover detectives. I will say my friend Eugene's dad uh, was a detective and he did not dress like that. But uh, it was the odds, so who knows? I was going to say, was this the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was not alive. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, fashion trends tend to... Um, circle back i'd love for the dicky to come back into fashion <laughs> you can the, do it the fake you turtleneck be the, the dicky you want to see in the world uh the dicky van dyke <laughs> i want to see in the world right now we can get into it i guess the the opening scene he's in an audition room yep and he's auditioning for happy days the next generation what would funny what would that look like do you think they would make it no longer be 50s nostalgia and american <laughs> graffiti style or like because i'm picturing they're finally catching up to the Saved by the Bell era, but it's still like Joni and Chachi and That's funny. Richie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but they're dressed in the like cool jazz pattern. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, Ty Lookwell seems to think that it's dressing like the thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, that giant wig. <laughs> the pompadour with that, uh, that hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Already kicking off with the classic Adam West voice. Oh, it's such a smooth, wonderful voice. I love it. Took me right back to 1966 Batman. <laughs> when you were alive. Yeah, true. <laughs> I did watch a lot of that growing up because of TV land. Mm-hmm. And I think it was on syndication on other channels oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Iconic. It is. It's very iconic. Um, if we want to talk about that for a minute, I'd love to. Go for it. Um, what I liked about it was obviously it is a comedy a lot yeah. of people kind of didn't realize that going directly in. So a lot of people mm. who are like my age or younger go back and watch it and think this is ridiculous. This is not the Batman I know because Batman didn't used to be right. super gritty, you know, not until like 1989 with Michael Keaton and Tim Burton taking the helm. But even well, still, they didn't realize that because that's what they were raised with is a super gritty version. They weren't used to seeing the hyper color, clearly a comedy Totally. Kind of parodying well, serialized TV at the time. Totally. And what people don't get is like early iterations of the Batman character was not as dark. It was mm-hmm. only like what early 80s or 90s that Batman kind of got this dark makeover. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman used to be silly Billy like Superman or Wonder Woman, you know. Uh, yeah. So. And if anything, this is closer to the original totally. comic because of the hyper color. <laughs> yeah. A lot like the Dick Tracy movie is mm-hmm. actually a very, very devout yeah. <laughs> adaptation from that original comic because of the use of crazy color. Totally. Uh, I just think Adam West is a, a, appropriately cast in this because uh-huh. he already comes from kind of a parodying uh, a television of a specific time genre. Yeah. yeah. And uh, fun fact, Adam West is the only person to play Batman who's the same height as Batman is supposed to be in the comic books. No joke. Six two. And up until Ben Affleck's casting, he was the tallest Batman. Uh, but Ben Affleck is six four. So dang, I didn't know that. I didn't know Ben Affleck was that tall either. He so. never comes off as that tall. No. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a little fun fact. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Michael Keaton is short. Adam West's career, just doing a cursory uh IMDB trivia like romp. Uh <laughs> What an interesting life that man had. Uh, you know, he got discovered 
by being on a Nestle Quick commercial. Is that so? He played a detect. According to IMDb trivia, I have not checked to corroborate any of this, but he played a detective on a Quick commercial, which unlocks so many more questions than answers. <laughs> uh, and then he was cast on Batman. But before that, he lived in Hawaii uh, and was gave was a tour guide. He worked as a sidekick come star on a kids TV show in Hawaii. So he had that life. That's so Then crazy. he became Batman. Then he seduced away the wife of the Lear Jet Company and married her. What the fuck? <laughs> Just a very odd life. And, uh, and ended up doing a voice on SpongeBob. Well, I like, too, that they're, uh, they just did those Batman 1966 cartoons where he did the voice, along with a lot of people from the show, like Burt Ward came back to do Robin. Uh-huh. And that guy's voice has not changed in ounce. And real-life best friend, Burt Ward. Real-life best friend! According to IMDb trivia. <laughs> well, I, I, wanna see, I really want to see him. I haven't seen either. I might do him for the movie challenge, but I know the Two-Face one has um, uh, William Shatner voicing Harvey oh. Dent slash Two-Face. So I would be really interested in watching nice. that. So he doesn't get, <laughs> the auditions are over, but in the process of uh, sitting in that room, he explains the concept of the thinking actor to the other actors uh, who are waiting there with him. They recognize him, but they don't know. This is the first time you get to hear that he played Bannigan, uh-huh. a TV detective, which sounds a lot like Banachek <laughs> or Branigan. Or Binnigan, which I've never heard of, but apparently George Kennedy played. Yeah. Uh, the only Binnigan I know is that restaurant with all the weird shit on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of flair going on there. Uh, yes, it's a great intro to his character. He clearly takes roles too seriously, but is also not overly concerned with not getting parts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Uh, he gets in a very expensive looking car uh-huh. uh, as they say bye to him to like impress people when he shows up. He has this nice car, but we quickly find out he was just renting it by the hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I thought he was parking it, but you're right. No, it, it, he was renting it. <laughs> uh, he had it for an hour 45, rounded up to two hours. So he had to pay the two hour fare uh, rate. Had to pay the two hour rate. Um, but it's just funny to me. It means that he his... his idea for getting an audition is he has to still look the image of a very successful <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, actor, even though I assume that he hasn't acted since Bannigan has been canceled. I think you're supposed to get that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, he depends, his, his entire income probably comes from the fact that he runs an acting school, right. which only deal in his two obsessions, right. which is watching his own footage <laughs> and comparing acting notes to his acting. And William Shakespeare, his two obsessions. Yeah. Uh, and fighting crime, of course. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, the the dialogue here is so funny. I don't know what it is, though, about all this dialogue. It's, it's really funny, but it, it just falls a little flat. I'm not sure if it's the way in which we're watching it or what, but, like, this whole episode, I think, just needs a little more bite. But uh, some of the funny things that happen is... He overhears that there's been a car theft. <laughs> there's several car thieves, theft, thefts. Uh, they're all classic cars. The police state as such. And he goes, ah, oh, looks like what we got here is a classic car theft ring. <laughs> yes, we said that. Can you go? Uh, so that's pretty funny. I think the reason you, what you're talking about, how it's kind of missing a little something mm-hmm. is keep in mind, this aired 
the week you were born. Oh, so it was missing my presence in the world. (laughs) It is. It does strike me as something that would play really well either now or like slightly earlier than now. I say this is ahead of its time for 91. Mm -hmm. It's a little too subtle. Um, That's it. But why it doesn't hold up to current times is now jokes are bam, 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 bam. We don't give time for anything to breathe. I think back then, like, I think this was an appropriately paced script where it's like this, the jokes have more of a punch if you don't hear a joke for a little while. And then Adam comes in and says something ridiculous that would get a bigger laugh. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. It's not in the pacing. It's just something like when jokes are said, they just don't hit as hard as they should. And it's not because too, too there's subtle. too few. No, I agree that it's yeah. too subtle, but it's not what you said where we're used to rapid fire jokes. In my opinion, it's just that there's just something lacking. And I think it's the lack of commitment to being really absurd. Like they get so close to it. Um, That's true. But then but they try to ground it a little too much. Yeah. I don't reality. think it should be quite as grounded or, or whatever. And I think the grinder is a great example of, sort of a heightened version of what they're trying to do, but I want this to be way more police squatty. Yeah. But the problem with that is like, you can't just throw random gags in the background. That's not what this world is. You know what I mean? Like it's not a slapstick world. He's just supposed to be a slapstick man living in this like real world where actual crime is going on and he's actually upsetting it, uh, making it harder to actually solve the crimes until the end. I just want more, uh, Leslie Nielsen kind of acting wordplay even too. I think I agree I just, with you. Just there's just something missing and I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, let's, let's continue so goes, on with some of the scenes. He leaves in a different car. Yeah. Cause that's probably his real crappy car. Uh, he goes home and sees his maid Hyacinth. The only shot we see her in, by the way, which yeah. I think is funny. It's a seventies trope again, where it's like the detective gets home. He doesn't have time to do any of his own housework. So he's got Hyacinth there to help, even though it's an unseen character. Like it adds, it adds literally nothing, but that's how it happened in every seventies TV show. You always had this one character that would show up in a seventies crime show and was just there to maybe at some point humanize the main detective a little more. Maybe they would have a conversation and be like, well, you know, ever since your wife died, but it was always just like, well, we have a contract with this actor that they have to be in every episode in the season, but we have nothing to do for them this this episode uh-huh. and the next episode and the next episode. Yeah, she does get a good zinger in. He asks if she if she got the groceries he asked for, and she said, I tried. They don't make that kind of hairspray anymore. That felt very police squatty to me, and I thought that was very funny. Well, his response is the best part. Yeah. The fools. Fools. <laughs> I know. I almost wish this joke had gone on longer. I could have sat through a listing gag on this for this. I just wish, like, uh, I guess my my critique is, like, I just need a little more jokes. So it's very obvious that this is really absurd. I want it to be more obvious than subtle. Well, they even set up that they are going to do visual gags in the same scene. He goes to the freezer and pulls out a <laughs> box of firm pops. They are frozen <laughs> treats that tighten your skin while you eat I them. I wish that was a thing. So, like, they have all these jokes set up, kind of, that yeah. you could do this throughout the entire episode or throughout the entire series, but they kind of stop on that. They, then they start depending on another gimmick. 
it feels like the pilot is testing a lot of stuff. Yeah. The the gimmick that they test here that I think is very funny is they have they set up the notion that he lives with his nephew, nephew. who is a way more successful actor than him. Matt Conway. I love that because I just I want to know so much more about that character, but we haven't seen them. So they are really trying to save that guy for the second episode that never happened. But. I just no, you know what? If I was doing this series, you would never see him. He mm. would be he would be the um, Niles wife on Frasier. That's f- hilarious. Yeah, we could do that, too. That'd be really great. The entire time he keeps getting more and more successful and we never see him. And you just see Adam West getting upset that he his house is being <laughs> uh, the living spot for someone who's way more successful until yeah. in the very end. He loses his house because his nephew buys it from him. Like, no, I think that would be a funny What I would like to see is every episode we get some inkling that he's a very in-demand actor. Scripts are being sent to the the house, invitations to award shows, blah, 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 blah. And we never see him until the very end when we find out it's a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't do that joke. It's been a baby this whole time. You sadly can't do that joke because he he pulls out the headshot of Matt when when he's at the message machine. So it shows what he looks like. Does he? Unless it's like a, in your world, it would be, that would be a red herring headshot. Yeah. yeah I, I think or that'd be really funny. Or just whenever you take a picture of this baby, it looks like this man. And well, also, how funny is it that these people are calling a baby? In your, in your version of this, well, yeah, they're calling my... a baby as if like Francis Ford Coppola doing his own voice, I thought was great, but calling and being like, Matt. You know, I'll just call back later. As if the baby's going to answer and be like, goo goo gaga. Perfect. Well, just, I would want. In my his nephew is a baby fantasy, like there would it would just build more and more. It would be <laughs> like you're you're the most brilliant actor of our time. You bring everything to life. So I funny. want like women calling, be like, the party last night was so great, Matt. Why did you leave? I thought we had a real connection. Like oh, we keep building. He's this like sexy man, and it's a Academy Award winning baby. baby. I want that so badly. The now Dan- I'm upset that this show didn't do that. Daniel Davy Lewis. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, if I I was to follow what they're trying to set up, that this is an adult person, I would start doing a um, police squad style thing where. Buses and billboards in the background <laughs> have the face of this this person, but we don't really know it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe later in one episode where it just says in big letters, Matt, uh, and, and even still, like you had to be watching from the beginning to get it. But you just keep seeing Adam West being like more frustrated the more he is in public. and He <laughs> sees that nephew's face everywhere. That would be funny. that would be a fun build up. Yeah. Like a little background jokes to do as well. It was setting up a good joke. It just never had a chance to really do it. Never had a chance is and a good way to put it. The. Uh, he only watches his own uh, show. And I didn't pause it here, but another way I would punch this up would be like if all he has are tapes of his own show and one more show. I just want one more <laughs> show. He's also a big know. fan of Golden Girls. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Something ridiculous. I want it even more ridiculous. Like Oprah helps you choose your bra side and he <laughs> thinks about it for a second and then he keeps going. That's up. a good one. That's a really good one. I want to rewrite this show. Well, I think it would be fun since he is so obsessed and we're seeing scenes of it in his home, in his acting class. They should have done some really ridiculous show within a show episodes, you know, like him busting an alien, like just combining genres even, you know, they have like a cheesy 70s alien costume guy being handcuffed and like Bookham Dano style serious in that world. 
but absurd in in our world to watch. Yeah, that could happen. Or I just I also like this. Sorry, that yawn wasn't directed at you. It was directed at life. Um, I also would be interested in seeing um, sort of the trials and tribulations of an actor who thinks that he is younger and more in demand than he really is. Yeah. So if he just keeps trying out for like young men parts, kind of like Jenna does in uh, 30 Rock, but he keeps trying out to be like somebody's like punk younger brother and Which he I just think can't pull it off. The opening scene is implying, right? You yeah. just want to further that along yeah. every time. I think it'd be funny if he shows up and it's like this. This would be, again, more police squad style. It's a room full of eight year olds <laughs> and him. But he's wearing like one of those hats that have the little spinners on top. And he has a giant <laughs> lollipop like he has all these props that are really trying to make him do it. Yeah. And That's it's hilarious. him giving advice to kids that like the adults would need, you know, like never let a producer stick you for 10 like, percent. Yeah. That's, <laughs> always take points. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, so the next scene is at the police. Oh, at the acting studio. Acting studio. Where he's giving his acting class, and it just comprises of watching old tapes. It's of, him busting a pimp. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was just just acting classes in general are such fodder for comedy, and this was no exception. Though I wish we had, and I'm sure again this is something they were planning to do with more episodes. I want to flesh out the weirdos who keep taking this acting yeah. class and not only keep taking it, but love it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just like what kind of desperate like actor do you have to be to like keep taking classes from someone who's clearly washed up. not a good actor yeah. and washed up? Um, well, I love the whole idea that, like I said, the acting school is all either Bannigan episodes or mm-hmm. scenes from Shakespeare. So he's making the clear comparison in his head mm-hmm. that Bannigan is William Shakespeare level writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought it was a reference initially because there was the bust of Shakespeare in his home, oh. which was where the button would be hidden to get to the Batcave in yeah. Batman oh. was the bust of Shakespeare. Oh. I thought it was a crossover reference of that until I realized, no, he just honestly thinks <laughs> the best two forms of acting writing ever. Mm-hmm. Are William Shakespeare's plays in episodes of fucking Bannigan uh, canceled yeah. after three seasons? I would actually love show. if the thing that he wanted to do, his ultimate goal with this class was to mount like a stage version of Bannigan. <laughs> like that's oh, that would what be... everybody was there for. And he. Oh, that would be a great episode. He wrote a play that was the stage version of Bannigan and he ends up just acting in it. Like, there's so many. This, the this acting... show deserved more than one episode. And the I'll acting school, they all star and put it on. Yeah. And here's the best part this is another way uh, Ty Lookwell makes his money is ticket sales. And yeah. it's these adults bring their parents as if it's a high school production totally. to the play. <laughs> Totally. And you just see really old people going like, that's my Tommy. I'm so proud of yeah. him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that'd be so funny. So to get into the acting class, we're introduced into like about five of them. Three of them come into play a little more. Uh, we meet Miss Royster, who we never get her first name, but she comes in and helps uh, be undercover later, along with Jason, who I found out... <laughs> is played by Todd Field, who was in Eyes Wide Shut. I didn't know that. Um, Probably had a mask on. Yeah, that's right. He was Fidelioing around. Uh, But he also directed films like Little Children. Mm. So this guy was just a bit role, 
in this weird 1991 canceled pilot and then went on to direct a bunch of really I'm big features. I'm glad you updated your description because when you were talking to me earlier, you go, oh my God, do you know that guy did Little Children? <laughs> in this day and age, nothing would surprise me that pervert, he should be in jail. That's right. Oh my God, that's so funny. We also have Ben, the class show off. So I he only him. chimes in when uh, Lookwell has a question and he always has the answer. No, not even that. He just chimes in to micromanage the class. <laughs> the last thing this shitty little acting class needs. <laughs> yeah. Well, another turn I would like is if he was angling for his job and he actually gets it because this whole time he's been a successful actor. Uh He's just wanting to take over this acting class. That's funny. Well, uh, what if he gets a lead role with um, with Matt Conway, his nephew? <laughs> he gets to hold him. Just, I, I think it'd be so funny if everybody got successful acting careers. Even uh, the chief of police that he bothers so much nah. gets successful acting careers. <laughs> but not him. But not look well. That's funny. So he gets the idea from the acting class. And something that they play a little bit with here that I, again, want to see way more of is the idea that somebody will say something in his class and he connects that to the crime he's thinking about. Uh, and I just want it to be more absurd because the person says they want to transport something, their personal memories into this role. And he goes, transport cars, classic cars. They're the, transporting these yeah, cars to another yeah. country. <laughs> <laughs> and I want it to be even more because he tees him up for have a really good joke because he says, I just use personal experience to inform this scene in King Lear, which I would like to know what personal experience <laughs> that guy has that like helps him play King Lear. And then he'd be like, your grandma died in front of you. In front. Park the car in, in front. front. <gasps> They're stealing cars. Like, cars have a front. He's like, somebody's trying to be vulnerable with him. It's and all a he front can do for is, selling stolen cars. Is, is, is uh, yeah, work backwards. <laughs> or somebody to say something really obviously a to c connection and him go a to f and then come back to c well, would be they really follow the too. rule of threes with this pretty well but i wish it was more ridiculous like you were saying so the second time it was like i just thought we could get through this scene faster with a little more speed 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 is there a race going on i think they're turning the cars into race cars <laughs> right. and they're like oh that's silly and then the third one is he's alone in front of a statue of william shakespeare again right. his his idol and he's talking to himself and something he himself says yeah. makes him like that's the that's as absurd as they are going to get with it is that. But I yeah. agree with you. You could have gotten 10 times more absurd. So we find out he goes then to the police station to try to say his his hunch and he keeps <laughs> reminding people that he was nominated an honorary crime stopper in 1970 in a ceremony in Television City. <laughs> uh, and he carries around the like plaque with him everywhere which it's is the, very it's funny. the badge and a little like uh, clear case frame that he carries in his inside yes, coat pocket the plaque but i wouldn't call it a plaque i'd say it's funnier that he's it's like framed you know what i right. mean like it's laminated for protection mm -hmm. that's funny and there's the one cop that indulges him which i think is funny detective kinnery uh yeah so that's a funny interaction well i just love that everybody else in the police station realizes he's nuts yeah and like this guy also realizes he's nuts, but realizes he does less harm if you listen to him a little yeah. bit, because he's probably gone through hundreds of cases where the guy interferes so much. Mm -hmm. It destroyed everything. Yeah, I would really like to know that person's motivation behind that is like, 
is it what you said that he just realizes that the path of least resistance is the best way to go? Or is he like a fan who wishes that he was right? Or is he, I, I just want to know more. I honestly think it is just, he has messed up so many times that if you listen a little bit, he won't, you'll, you'll be like, we'll take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll leave. Right. Uh, this is when we start kicking into, he doesn't feel like the police are doing enough, so he's going to go undercover. <laughs> this is the recurring bit that I expect to run throughout the entire series of mm. having uh, a bunch of costumes, and he's trying to use his acting to be uh, yeah. an undercover detective better. And before that, he crowds his entire acting class into one booth in the Brown Derby to talk next steps. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and behind him is a picture of Columbo. And of himself. <laughs> yes. That's funny. I also, I really am charmed by this notion that the whole acting class is on board with this. And they like him so much that they go along with his like cockamamie yeah. ideas. Uh, so that is very funny. But you're right. He goes undercover. At- if he was a PI, they would be everybody who works at his detective agency. Totally. So he goes undercover at the car detailing place by finding one in a phone book. <laughs> that is an underrated joke in this is he just picks a random one and then uh he proceeds to make an ass of himself at the car de- detailing place well my favorite is he's implying that he would do gay favors for the two men because it was uh i was he's, he's trying to imply that he wants to in yes. on their car stealing if you have any special jobs and he means you know detailing stolen cars right. but he keeps wording it in a way that sounds like he would do gay sexual favors for these men you know like big van dyke <laughs> well that one's appropriate he details your van and then does go. gay favors for you there you go uh to your dick yep all right so uh my favorite uh smash cut in this is the fact that he keeps winking and making these men feel <laughs> uncomfortable and that he's trying to sexually harass them and it cuts to him having a bandage on his head and the class going hey, what happened how'd you get beat up nah. you know i, I being a, a TV man in my age, the days tend to blur. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. Uh, and then we get to the next undercover scene, which I think is the funniest one, where it's at a um, fundraiser for the homeless. Uh, sorry, point of order. The next undercover thing is at the racetrack. My God, you're right. <laughs> my God, they did so much in this one pilot. Yeah. So they uh, tried to follow the rule of threes that extreme where they do another costume bit. So they deduce again from doing the this to this to this with somebody in the acting class. They figure out that uh, there's a uh, there's a Grand Prix in the neighborhood. So they try to sneak into that with Jason. Uh, <laughs> and it, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I love that you always have a plan B is just him trying to climb over the fence. Watching an older Adam West do physical comedy like that is perfect. Yeah, the fact that he is so ready to do Mm -hmm. any of this and is so ready to give his 100% is what sells this entirely. He's so funny. Adam West, I mean... Nothing wrong with his performance at all. I think yeah. he's doing great. He is the best part of the show. Every <laughs> line written for him is gold. Yeah. It's just kind of the, the the rest of the math that needs to be done to make that character, make everything as funny as Adam West is what is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Get on his level, really. Absolutely. Now. But I love the costumes, too, because he's wearing basically like Steve Martin's costume from The Jerk when he works at the old mm-hmm. uh, gas station. 
like every every costume yeah. is outdated because like, him showing up for the races he's wearing like right. a leather cap and goggles <laughs> and has a long scarf yeah it's very funny clearly like very costumey costumes including the, the hobo costume yeah so when he shows up he show, uh he has one of his acting students pretend to be a wealthy heiress which he could have whole he, backstory in one sentence <laughs> And he could have done the same thing. I, you know, I'm yeah. also a wealthy person, but instead he's the homeless man that she's sponsoring. Now, this is at a gala for the homeless. And the slogan is for that is <laughs> for the homeless, colon, they're everyone's problem. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many like they are aware of like police squad style of putting stuff in the background they just don't do it quite enough or either that or i'm just not perceptive enough to notice the other times they do it but when they hide like jokes in the background like that that's my favorite i feel like jokes like that are very simpsons so it, it's clear right. to me that he took this kind of writing style conan mm-hmm. and he went to simpsons and and brought it there but they just, since they have a giant team of Korean animators and have the time to put in a little bit extra jokes, you take the sense of humor and you fill it with extra stuff that a cartoon can handle. Whereas a live action production, you can't quite do. Yeah, you can. <laughs> like, I mean, you I, can. I'm saying you can, and they didn't. You do can. It. But I, another thing that's interesting about the show is it was single cam, which was not common at the time for comedy productions. Mm hmm. Multicam was like it. That was all you you shot it like a multicam sitcom if you were doing a comedy. 91 is pretty early. Like mid to late 90s is when that yeah. started becoming the normal fashion with shows like Malcolm in the Middle and <laughs> The O'Keefe's. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but anyway, like it didn't it wasn't that common in the early 90s. Right. I even sketch at the time like you Shows that these guys were writing on, like the the Dana Carvey show, were kind of a mix of both. Mm. It was shot like SNL, but it was also shot. Some of the sketches were shot single cam, like the Ben Stiller show, mm. which is that those were new, and that's why they didn't last mm. because they were more expensive to produce. They pr- might have created better looking, higher production value comedy, but because they were so expensive and thus like really needed lots of viewers to stay alive, mm. didn't. Yeah fair and so it's not until the technology got cheaper and like doing single cam became easier and that's what i mean by cartoons were probably a little easier to do oh i gotcha yeah but i'm glad like his mind and smigel's mind found (laughs) a place to go you know i'm glad this didn't like ruin them oh yeah yeah. there's no way it would have in my opinion but anyway so he shows up he's dressed as a hobo in like like a like if you were doing West Side Story, when that film was made and you needed to dress up a person like a hobo would be this man because his blazers clearly cut up and made of six other blazers. It was actually more expensive to look <laughs> this hobo-y. He's literally got a bindle on a stick. Is that what that's called? Mm-hmm. And he's just walking around. This is my favorite I, part of the entire episode. Just the things he's saying to get through the crowds of rich people should make them feel terrible. <laughs> I, I think it's, yeah, like it should do that, and it's also like what someone imagines would be a homeless person's dialogue, which is very funny. Hello, excuse me. Uh, nice to be indoors. Hello, pardon me. Good evening. Uh, the, the sidewalk, sidewalk is, is my, my pillow. pillow. <laughs> I also wrote that down. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, the sidewalk is my. That's pillow. a way to like 
have a homeless person and make a joke that punches up because the joke is more like this is what a person thinks it's like to be homeless than haha homeless <laughs> true it's well done true uh and then they end up uh they end up stealing stealing somebody's car yeah it's it's i mean who turned out to be there for the police to try to get a different yeah. ring done so the police chase them uh, as they're ostensibly leading the bad guy to the police office. And he says, <laughs> That's my favorite. Don't That's Adam worry. West's logic is, <laughs> we'll just drive to the police station. That'll lead the criminal right to where yeah. we can get him. <laughs> and then he says, don't worry, I've got a plan. And he sticks his head out the window and yells to the police, we're not stealing this car. We're not car thieves. Uh, <laughs> I'm a TV funny. actor. <laughs> very funny. This is where it kind of hits its stride. Uh, in absurdity, I think. And that's when it's very good. It seems to me like they thought that they could only do it during a climax, have it hit this kind of stride, when you could have been doing it from the get-go. I think so. And I think they definitely make an effort to it. Just this is the, the best use of it, I think. I do love, and I'm I'm hoping it would, if the show continued, this would have been the recurring theme. They, he accidentally leads them back to the car lot, oh, where yeah. it turns out this guy who is the car thief is working there. And he shouldn't have even been there that late at night. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was using the whole idea of the sting happening and his boss being there to try to steal more cars. Right. So he does accidentally lead the police <laughs> to the actual criminal. It's great. Yeah. I assume that is like the joke always. Yeah. Is that... He always seems to be completely messing everything up. And then accidentally, because he's not yeah. a true detective. It's a very Mr. Magoo kind of premise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's great. I love it. I love it. I think it worked well. And then it ends with the best line I, I think of the whole show. You know, it's gentlemen, it's been a pleasure working with you. If you need to call me again, here's my headshot. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. Yeah. Just the fact that he carries his jacket must be huge because he has to carry the framed <laughs> version of that honorary b badge they gave him. Yeah. And headshots. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to have just a throwaway joke where we meet his tailor who's like, oh, another huge pocket, sir? <laughs> Better make it two. I've got a business card now, and the business card is also huge. It's just huge, and it's... it's I it's, need to deposit this check, and it's like a publisher's clearinghouse check. <laughs> There's yeah, so he, many gags. He won a celebrity uh, golfing tournament, and so he has that check yeah. left over, and it's just, everything's gigantic on him. Well, we've touched on it a little bit, but what would you do with the second season? Um, well, I don't know. I, I guess I would want to do more of the same, but bigger. I think it would be funnier yeah. if there is, like, an arch nemesis yes. that he, he keeps accidentally punishing this guy. Like accidentally, everything is an accident. Uh -huh. And so there's just what this one man who's just like, I'll get you Ben again. He's gone oh, insane and is actually after the police show version <laughs> of look well. Oh, that's funny. And you see him kind of like you see, uh, Dr. Claw from, uh, inspector gadget. You only see him petting a cat. Like Blofeld from the earlier ep yeah. uh, episodes, movies that he was in of James Bond, uh -huh. where you only see his hand petting a cat and you just keep seeing him getting <laughs> frustrated and hitting stuff. And then in the end, it would turn out to be someone, maybe even uh, Matt Conway. Maybe yeah. that would be the funnier. It was his nephew the whole time who was his arch nemesis. But uh -huh. I think that's a funny thing. I'd like to see them do even more genre specific stuff. A lot of 70s cop shows like Columbo, every third episode was like, it's a millionaire killing his wife and he lives on his own private yacht. So I want a whole episode out at sea. 
where it's just yachts. Yeah. The, in, all, every set is just a different yacht. Uh-huh. And that's how ridiculous you could get with this. They just keep moving from yacht to yacht. Police yacht to I'm going undercover on this man's yacht party. <laughs> you never see land. You only see yachts. The yacht season. <laughs> I think oh, not for a whole season, but I think like one episode that would be hilarious. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it would also be funny for him to get involved with like actual important CIA crime or FBI stuff. (laughs) And like he just accidentally stumbles in. Maybe his acting is so good for once they they don't check credentials because he's so charming. And so he just accidentally gets way in over his head. (laughs) I think that would be hilarious to see where he's like surrounded by dead bodies. And it's just like, oh, shit. Lukewell don't know what to do right now. Yeah, I like that. The other thing I want to see. Sorry if I'm talking too much, but I think it'd be funny if, um, again, getting on this kind of pattern of him getting over his head in this stuff, students start dying, but he lives. It's like they get into situations where the students keep dying. And then like his class keeps getting smaller and smaller until it's left to just that one kiss ass guy. I think it would be a funny season bit. He just literally is accidentally getting his own student clientele killed. That is really funny. I don't know. What would you do? So obviously his nephew's a baby. That's one thing I would do. (laughs) Obviously. I want that to happen. I like your idea of a nemesis, but I think it would be funnier if it's somebody that he perceives as his nemesis (laughs) who's always getting in his way, who is actually just a regular person. That's so funny. (laughs) Non-actor, non-police. Yeah, just a guy that he's like, oh, that guy's always thwarting me. And it might even be Timothy's funny. Timothy's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody meets him and like, no, he's a, such a sweet guy. Like, no. The thorn in my side known as Timothy. Yeah. I would in like. Adam West voice. Exactly. And it's just this random guy that he just decided was his nemesis. I'd also like to meet the class that goes into that space after his class. I hope it's an improv class because I love TV shows that make fun of improv because improv is very silly. Uh, So maybe that's the nemesis is the improv teacher. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I want him to accidentally watch an episode of CSI and realize that like DNA evidence is a thing now because it really wasn't in the 70s. And then him decide that that's the kind of detective he wants to be is like a forensic scientist detective so he goes around collecting like dna samples from people in this episode like one of the crime scenes is an actual blood bank and he like accidentally spoils a ton of samples of blood i really would like like a very police squatty like slipping in blood and knocking huge vats of blood like that would be hilarious to me the reason police squad worked is it followed that very strict formula where every episode did this scene this scene go back to the lab talk to the professor this scene this scene Mm -hmm. This, I feel like, would benefit more if it tried doing different formulas every time. Which is fine. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to see him, what other auditions he's going on. I want to see what how other people from that show are living their life now. Is he the only one that's really obsessed with it? Does he go to a, <gasps> yeah, does he go is... to a convention and have to speak at a convention around other like really diehard Brannigan, fan, Brannigan fans? There's so much Great. rich ground for this. This is this is such a funny concept. I think it was just ahead of its time and just needed slight punching up. Also, I realize how vain it is to be like, oh, yeah, Conan, could you punch up those jokes? Like, obviously, he doesn't need any help, but that's what I would do for a second season. 
Oh, man, I, if you you brought up the whole watching CSI, if we were to make it now modern and it's still a guy trapped in the 70s, you could do so much genre stuff with this. So many genre jokes you could do like an X-Files parody episode where maybe sure. he's involved with aliens um, and he he messes up the actual first contact that we would have. Well, I think probably, yeah, or or we could do like a supernatural parody where he thinks that's the way to go but it's always in his head and never yeah. that's never the actual reality it's just whatever he was currently yeah. watching on on tv or whatever was yeah. trending at the moment yeah he tries to get in on like the hot topics oh man and it, it's it's almost funnier in 2018 to do a show about a guy stuck in the 70s than it was in 91 because well, so much has changed except i'm not sure that people get the tropes necessarily yeah is my only thing is if it was now you'd have to do like the grinder where he was a very like csi kind of they modernized the show that person in yeah uh which is a bummer because i like these 70s tropes i think they're really funny i worry that they wouldn't play today because people tend not to know them all right yeah well i have some notes on here about why it didn't get picked up Mm -hmm. uh some very interesting quotes so it did air, like I said, the week Molly was born. <laughs> so uh, July of 91. Yeah. Um, the pilot was actually a favorite of the NBC chairman at the time, Brandon Tartikoff. Ooh. Um, but he left the position right as the show was airing. Uh-huh. And so the decision to pick that show up wasn't his. Darn. How funny is that? Uh, Literally was a favorite of the person who was in charge, but oh that person no. left just before saying oh, this so is the way to go. Frustrating. Um, something else I wrote down, this pilot was <laughs> directed by uh, a, a TV director. This was one of his last credits cause he died at the age of like 67 oh, no. in like 92 or 93. But he, he did a bunch of um, like he's one episode director of a bunch of different cop shows from this time like he's in la he did an episode of la law a couple episodes of colombo a couple episodes of uh uh heart to heart a couple episodes of all these weird cop shows but his name is ew Swackhamer, <laughs> s-w-a-c-k-h-a-m-e-r but i when i first read it, i was like Swackhammer. that sounds like a 70s police detective that's funny that you mentioned <laughs> that because when i was doing my research on adam west his first wife's name also sounds like that let me remember what it ah okay so his first wife also has a name that's like that is a written name no and his <laughs> His first wife, who he married when she was 17 years old, was named Billy Lou Yeager. Billy Lou Yeager. That sounds like a like made-up name. That was a lot of work for a little payoff. I'm sorry. Billy An- Lou Yeager. Another sounds like when you um, crash a frat party in Oklahoma uh-huh. and everyone's doing Jaegermeister shots. Exactly. That's her nickname. She's she's the Jaegermeister. Billy Lou. Billy Lou Yeager. Uh. Another fun fact. Adam West fact. About Adam West. from Molly. According to IMDb, he had his dentist add little black Batman logos to one of his molars. That's fucking awesome. That is very funny. I hope that is true. Um, Conan O'Brien has said that this is his favorite Ah. pilot he's ever written. Or maybe favorite thing. I can't remember the exact quote. But he was a huge fan of this. He loved this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes sense. Like... This is this has Conan written all over it. Yeah. 
and it has Schmeigel written all over it. Oh, yeah. This is like if Ambiguously Gay Duo was a <laughs> subtler live action thing, it would have been this. Um, I will say this is a quote from O'Brien <laughs> about the failure of this show because it did air once this pilot. Look Well was the second lowest rated show of all time. It tied with a test pattern they show in Nova Scotia. <laughs> but here's the funniest thing. It was the 92nd out of 92 shows aired that week for the first time. Woo! So it literally was last place. Everyone's in its week. tired. <laughs> Back then, though, it still had 2.5 or 2.05 million views, See? which today is like. Oh, fuck. It's doing so well. 2.05 wow. million views. <laughs> See, this is the kind of change we could be making now that we're Nielsen. Uh, oh, yeah. We, box if, if we have failed to mention, Nielsen actually sent us the survey. Did we do anything with that? We, I have it over here. Okay. I was actually going to read some of it on here. Okay. So Nielsen actually mailed our Studio 301 because I'm pretty sure they are listening to the- our show. And it, yeah, we get to participate. We're finally part of the, the rating Woo! system, guys. So here's some, who is Nielsen? They give, gave you a little uh, placard to tell you in both Spanish and English who they are and what this is and what you'll get out of it, which is a total of $7. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> we were sent two crisp new $1 bills in this envelope to be like, yeah, just for your time. But if here's you mail it in, sweet in the pot. Maybe, a, maybe a $5 bill, <laughs> maybe a Lincoln might be Ooh. slipping your way. So who is Nielsen? For more than 50 years, Nielsen has measured what people watch on television, listen to on the radio, and buy in stores. Who listens to the radio? I was so sad to find out half of these questions were about the fucking radio. (laughs) Uh, We are a... Get on the podcast thing, Nielsen. Come on. Uh, We are a professional research company and the world's leading provider of media and marketing information. Anyway, long story short, I just think it's funny. They just asked... What is your favorite TV show and network? Please write it in. Ratings. The Nielsen rating system is literally a mail in. Just write in your answer. I could write Captain Poop Pants on there. You better not. Don't throw away our vote. And waste. It's it's not just one vote. Each Nielsen letter is worth a big chunk from what I remember. Don't you dare. How funny is that, right? It used to just be like people, they would send specific families like, please log everything you watch on TV. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you will count for 10,000 households, Wow! which is why the Nielsen rating system is outdated and terrible. We're putting crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's the only thing that's in danger of being canceled. That's on basic broadcast TV. Yeah, we haven't filled it out yet, but we're filling it out today. Just wanted to brag a little bit. (laughs) We we (laughs) the dumb drunk minds of failure to launch. (laughs) Finally get a say in what's good on TV. So yeah, we're going to deliberately take You're some welcome, shows. America. <laughs> Before we finish, I did want to compare, um, I think Adam West, after this pilot, after uh, the cult status that it acclaimed, what did I call it earlier? The cult cladis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the cult status that this acclaimed um, led to people starting to cast him as a parody version of himself. Which I hope he was okay with, because... It's really funny. Oh, he is, has been, was for years open about how much he loved it. So, you know, he went on to be that Robert Stack parody of um, Unsolved Mysteries or like 911 Emergency on the Ben Stiller show literally less than a year after this. Uh, and I have to assume they saw this, especially because some of the writers that work with Conan and uh, Robert Smigel went on to work on that show, i.e. 
Bob Odenkirk. So he probably saw Look Well and decided, you know what, this is a perfect idea for a sketch. And they have that one sketch where it's instead of like 911 emergency where they're showing you how 911 calls went down, it's 411. Uh. And he was the host of it. And he plays like a parody version of not only Robert Stack, but himself in it. Uh Just saying so seriously, that man needed to find out when that clog store closed. (laughs) (laughs) Then just two years after that, he becomes the principal on uh, Pete and Pete, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, where he is playing Adam West as if he's your principal. The Batman from 1966 as if he's evil and your principal. And it's just still a wriggly. I will be taking you down a peg, Wrigley. That's you are the funny. thorn in my side, Wrigley. And then, of course, leading to the ultimate thing that led to, like, yeah, Adam West is okay with it, playing Mayor Adam West <laughs> on Family Guy. And so I think this show really provided the opportunity for Adam West to continue being his Adam Westiest. I will say, embarrassingly enough, I didn't realize Adam West was a real person. <laughs> For a long time. You I thought... was introduced to him via Family Guy. That's so funny. I watched classic Batman a little bit, but I never put the dots together. Two and so. two. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, it's a joke that works on multiple levels is what I'm saying. James Woods is also a real person. A I conservative asshole piece that of one shit. <laughs> Please. I've seen Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. He is uh, So you're telling me if Adam West voiced a villain in a late 90s to be quite honest, Disney movie. It is a crime that he didn't. Good point. <laughs> it is a straight up federal offense. That he was <laughs> not in a Disney movie. Before we move on to our next segment, I do want to say, you know, rest in peace. He died of, in June of last year. Adam West, you're you're missed. We love you. Which you were is great because you can listen to podcasts in the afterlife. So that's what we're well, addressing. I, him I would personally. say it to any of his friends and family that we. <laughs> We love him. He was literally, literally yeah. the best part of the show. He was, if he wasn't in this, I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have made it an episode for us to cover. Um, yeah, I loved it. Um, it needed some changes, but I, I wish there had been more than one episode of this. Do you agree? Agreed. It deserved more than one episode. And Robert Smigel and Conan O'Brien are also geniuses. So it's, it's. We're sending our thoughts to both of their families as well. Another show, and and let us know if you want us to cover it. Another show I really want to cover is Robert Smigel's TV Funhouse, an SNL animated bit that he turned into a Pee-wee's, kind of a parody of uh, Howdy Doody, Mm. but for adults. um, Mm. Whole entire show that only lasted six episodes on Comedy Central. So we'll do that soon, I hope. Molly, what are you currently watching? Um, I'm not watching anything different than what we've been talking about, so I'll give a recommendation for a podcast I like. I've been listening to this podcast called Glowing Up, and it has Esther Pavinsky, who is on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and Caroline Goldfarb, who is a comedian who writes for Alone Together, and uh, her Instagram is flawless. I love her. Uh, But this podcast, Glowing Up, is just about um, sort of beauty routines, exercise stuff, uh, just life stuff for young women, and it's really great. And it's on the Starburns Network uh, comedy, so... Starburns uh, podcast network. Yep, it's a good to show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What do you have to? What are you watching? Well, we we were together rewatching season one of Westworld in time for tonight. Yeah, um, the Westworld premiere is tonight. By the time this comes out, I think there will be two episodes of Westworld out wow. in season two. But uh, what are you thinking of this rewatch? I'm actually disliking it. To be honest, I I don't know if it's just I'm just. I felt like I understood it so much at the end of watching it last time I watched it. And 
this rewatch, I am just more and more confused. So, uh, is it the timelines? Uh, what's confusing you? I just think everything is very confusing and I would have trouble recommending Westworld to people because it's very good and I know I enjoyed it, but I just could not explain it for the life of me and it doesn't make it easy and it keeps you in the dark a lot. Uh, but I mean, I like the show, but just in this rewatch, I'm, I'm left, I'm even more confused, which is why I'm glad that, uh, that, uh, we're going to watch this new season and that uh, we can can listen to Red's (laughs) podcast about it, which is called, that doesn't sound like anything to me, a Westworld recap. Oh, they're doing a whole new, that's right. He said that. I think it's just the name. I think it's still going to be under Boris Goren Swords, but. It'll uh, be on the Boris Goren Swords network. Right. That, that podcast is very helpful (laughs) to me. Um, so, but how are you feeling about this? I'm enjoying all the foreshadowing that they did earlier on. Like, it's like when you watch fight club for the second time Uh and you're like, Oh, look, look, they're directly saying this is going to happen five episodes before it happens. So I was really enjoying that. Um, it is kind of giving me a clearer detail of timelines, but then I'm agreeing with you. There are certain times where I'll watch, I'll be like, maybe this could mean that this takes place Uh, in a completely different timeline that we're going to see in season two. So it's making me like rethink everything because, because I don't fucking trust the show at all. It, it will show you one thing and then lie to you completely, but it still makes perfect logical sense in the world. They created Mm -hmm. like both things can exist. And, and so to know to know that I already didn't trust it and I'm going in on this rewatch not trusting is making me less trusting. And so at this point, like, <laughs> I don't even trust you, Molly. Who are you? Who are you in this world? I'm just a girl. Are you, are you a host? Uh, no. Are you a Westworld? Nope. I'm just a girl sitting on the couch with no pants. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up that I'm currently watching, uh, Amazon Prime has added every episode of a TV show I loved as a kid called Monsters. Um, it, it ran in syndication on sci-fi, which is where I watched it, but it's basically like, if you like tales from the dark side, which is like cheap, uh, not as foul mouthed, not as violent version of tales from the crypt. Um, the same writers from that show, as soon as that ended, went on to write this other show called monsters. The premise being a suburban family of monsters watches week to week little vignetted mm-hmm. uh, horror stories that are very similar to like a Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt, but the theme is always there's a monster involved. Yeah, the episode I watched, I liked, so. You watched Holly's House, the second episode ever, and you never find out if the little animatronic doll uh, that is the main figure of the show, uh, to compare it to um, a show, I, it reminds me of uh, Molly from Big Comfy Couch's little... Uh, doll assistant but like if that came to life and started killing people out of jealousy (laughs) you never know if that's the monster or if the person controlling it is actually insane yep and so i like it i think it's fun it's low budget it's late 80s early 90s so if you're really into cheesy ass horror tv horror this is right up your alley i think all of tales from the dark side is also on uh amazon prime but start with monsters just for those opening credits alone, that opening sequence is hilarious to me. And it just takes me back instantly to being like a nine-year-old kid staying up too late and watching shit that was on late night sci-fi. That and MST3K. You would do long marathons of that at night. So it was a lot, it's a lot of fun. Uh, what do you have to plug? 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Siri Smalley. And please, if you haven't already, subscribe to my Handmaid's Tale podcast, which is called Red All Over A Handmaid's Tale Recap. We're trying to up our subscribers this season. And uh, we'll be covering uh, the new episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, go to mitchellthompson.bandcamp.com. You can download my albums there. I also have links to everything else I have going on there. My YouTube, my uh, SoundCloud, my Twitter, which is at special underscore robot, and my Instagram, which is at just special robot. Um, obviously, please follow us on Facebook by clicking like at facebook.com slash failure to launch podcast. And um, we'll be posting related stuff there. Of course, thank you, Core Temp Arts, for always uh, helping us out, posting about us. If you want more uh, pop culture podcasts, go to coretemparts.com. And that's all the posts I have to talk about. Let's end today's episode with your best Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.